0: Everyone, this is Cartoons to Castles,
1: the history behind the mouse and magic. I'm Melanie and I'm
0: Jessica. We're best friends and Disney nerds who wanted to learn more about the history behind the Walt Disney Company's movies, shows, music, theme parks and more and share it all with you.
1: So thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy today's episode.
0: Welcome back to another episode
1: of Cartoons to Castles.
0: We have a guest today. So before we introduce her, I just wanted to really quickly read a new review. And as always, those reviews are always super appreciated on Apple Podcasts, since those reviews and ratings are the best way to help new people discover us. And if you leave one, we will read it on a future episode. This one is from Michelle UCLA. She says, I am a former Disneyland and Walt Disney World cast member. During my days as a Disneyland tour guide, I became obsessed with talking about Disney and doing as much research as possible. When I listen to this podcast, it feels like I'm listening to friends that feel the same way about Disney that I do. I appreciate that Melanie and Jessica have created such a warm and welcoming podcast. They are the kind of ladies you will find yourself wanting to talk to, but listening to them is just as good. Please consider checking this out and telling your friends about it. Thank you Aww. so much, Thanks, Michelle, Michelle UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are in for a treat today. Our guest is a huge Disney fan and theme park fanatic, content creator and vlogger, including her vlogs also about Disney history called Down to Disney. <laughs> That's
1: such a great name. <laughs> Please welcome Sarah Sterling. Hi,
0: everybody.
1: Happy to be here!
0: <laughs> Yay, we are so excited to have
2: you. Well, thank you.
1: Could you let our listeners know what Disney history topic you chose for us to cover and why you picked it?
2: Absolutely. So I had a few things come to mind, but nothing was more exciting to me than the history of Disney pin trading.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed,
2: I wanted to talk about this because I love trading Disney pins and collecting Disney pins, and it is a surprisingly vast and interesting world. So yeah, I just want to like nerd out and talk about pins.
0: Yay! I'm so excited. Now, before we dive into the history of Disney pin trading, Sarah, could you tell us a little bit about how you got into Disney pin trading in the first place and maybe a little bit about your collection?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... I bought pins as a kid just, like, on trips to Disneyland. I grew up, you know, like you guys, I believe, um, close to Disneyland. And, you know, just – I had a few that I collected, like, as I was, you know, going when I was younger. But then when I did the Disney College program in 2011 – I was like, this is a great time for me to maybe fully get into the world of Disney pin trading, because I'll be here a lot. And I got like my cast member discount. Like now's a great time to like start like fully collecting. Um, So I started doing it then. And... My collection's pretty big now. I don't know what to say about it. Uh, I like to collect <laughs> a, s- a few <laughs> specific characters. I have a lot of Dumbo. I like a lot of Pixar, specifically up pins. I like Peter Pan and WALL-E. But I collect a lot of different things. But but Dumbo was a big one for a really long time. I have a lot of Dumbo pins. So And yeah. is there
0: certain like, you know, so many people like as you said we'll have a specific character you named a few or they'll be like i only want to seek out the pins that are le of this like is mm-hmm. there a certain thing like that a rarity value or something that attracts you to a pin or is it primarily just the characters just
1: in case you don't know
2: what le means <laughs> for any of the, of the people we'll get into it but
1: yeah <laughs> it means limited edition
2: <laughs> yeah um i like a pin for how it looks if it if it happens to be limited edition or from a different kind of theme park or harder to get place, or did that make sense? Whatever. Um, That only increases my interest in it. But like aesthetically, just like large, clean looking pins are my favorite. It's always just like you look around and then you happen to look at the back of the pin. And if it turns out to be extra valuable, great. But I'm not I definitely never only look for like rare pins or anything like that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get into the origin of Disney pin trading. I knew nothing about this, so this is a very interesting topic to look into i remember when i was growing up in anaheim i remember kind of they were there before this but i just remember first kind of realizing that disney pin trading was becoming a big thing like when i was going to the parks like around 2003 2004 so i was like why did it feel like to all of a sudden become a phenomenon so i was curious about how this all started So pin trading began at Walt Disney World in 1999 as part of the Millennium Celebration. Now, to be clear, like, there were pins around, but pin trading specifically – In 2000, they also introduced pin trading to Disneyland Resort, much of that being via pin trading events. Now, the Millennium Celebration, which was the starting point for pin trading, just for those who haven't heard of it, it was a celebration from October of 1999 to January of 2001 celebrating the new millennium. It was a (laughs) resort-wide celebration at Walt Disney World, but it was primarily at Epcot, as I'm sure, you know, even if you didn't go to it, I'm sure many people know that, because, of course, there was the notoriously controversial 2000 above Spaceship Earth. (laughs) (laughs) But its focus was, the Millennium Celebration's focus was the emphasis on human potential and the possibilities of the future. What I found interesting is that there were pins prior to this, but it wasn't until the concept of pin trading that Disney pins really took off into this whole, like, Disney pin community culture. So clearly, you know, the pin trading concept was a very effective marketing tactic. Uh, So I was watching this video that um, was a bunch of people from, you know, leadership roles from the consumer product side of things for the parks that they made in 2019 for the 20th anniversary of pin trading. And they had a lot of very interesting info on kind of how... It all got started. So Ed Storen, who at the time of Disney pin trading's beginnings, was the manager of merchandise and special events of Animal Kingdom. And he was working closely with the manager of merchandise of Epcot, where they had determined the Millennium event would be the launch of pin trading. Now, between 1995 to 1999, this was all in the works. So for four years, they were planning on this being the launch of like a pin trading pavilion. Um, Not like a pavilion like at World Showcase, but, you know, they were going to have like a designated area for pin trading. So just like with Walt Disney Animation, everything begins with a research trip. And this was similar to pin trading when they were planning how they were going to launch this. So during this, like, four-year planning and doing some research, people on the merchandising teams would attend lots of sport events where pin trading was happening. And they would study the pin trading that occurred at the sports events to kind of see um, the rules of pin trading and how people interacted with one another. And then later on, closer to the launch, Ed Storin was assigned to go to a hot air balloon festival with a handful of Mickey Mouse hot air balloon pins. He got so much great feedback from the event. And got their first insight that mixing Disney and pin trading could work with a good response.
1: Those pins are so cute i wish i could get one of those pins i watched that video too and they're so
0: cute yeah it was it's basically it's a hot air balloon but instead of the balloon part it's like mickey's head as a balloon (laughs) um and 18 months prior to the millennium celebration where they had planned to build the pin training center at epcot the project almost got shut down due to not having the funding they needed to make pin central as they were going to call it He met with other members of the merchandise team to brainstorm how to get sufficient funding to make the project a reality that they had been working on for years. Their idea was a subscription service for a pin collection that was going to be a set of framed pins uh, representing the pavilions at Epcot, and you could put the pins together and it would create one big puzzle picture of Spaceship Earth at the Millennium Celebration. The guests wanting them could pre-order them, and they would ship out throughout the course of the Millennium Celebration. The idea was approved, and so they were able to get the funding for PIN Central. However, no one was really buying them. No one was really pre-ordering them. And Ed Storn even referred to the concept as a miserable failure and thought <laughs> this would be the end of his career at Disney. Six months into the PIN Celebration, pin trading was gaining mass momentum and quickly became a success. And this wasn't due to the pre-orders, just people loved the pins at Pin Central. So even though the idea didn't sell at first and they thought, oh my gosh, this was a horrible idea, it just, it just took a bit to click. Six months into it, it was becoming rapidly popular. But if it weren't for him proposing this idea that at the beginning, seems like a bad idea and a failure, <laughs> we wouldn't have had Pin Central at Epcot. It wouldn't have gotten approved. Now, when it was starting to gain momentum, Jim Green, the director of merchandise location strategy, then was assigned to brainstorm ideas of what were going to be the next steps of taking pin trading to the next level. Now that it was gaining momentum, they had things to figure out. They had to figure out what would be the rules of pin trading? You know, how are limited editions going to work? What would we do for pin trading events? All that sort of thing. The highest priority for him to figure out were ways of not just how to sell these products, the pins to people, but their priority was how they were going to create a guest-to-cast interaction and guest-to-guest bonding. So like they were trying to figure out how are they now going to go from selling pins to creating the community aspect of Disney pin trading. So how did they do that? They created a kind of not great looking pin um that had two ribbon dancers and said 2000 with the o's in 2000 making a subtle hidden mickey and everyone checking into Walt Disney World Resort hotels on a vacation package during the millennium celebration got two of those pins at check-in and they were purposely somewhat unattractive pins to make people <laughs> want to trade them and when they checked into the hotel the cast member uh, would say just look for You know, a cast member with a black lanyard and you can trade it for any pin you want at any park. And so it got people to want to trade them and look for characters that they liked on cast members lanyards at the different parks they visited. Um, They gave away one and a half million of those complimentary pins. So clearly that is a very hefty number to get jump started on this whole community aspect of pin trading
1: and that was really funny that he kept saying over and over so we have this unattractive pin like <laughs> i felt bad for the designer if they but, ever heard that
0: but it did seem like they were saying <laughs> that it was purposefully made yeah so that it wasn't something oh i need to keep this it was they didn't put like, mickey
1: on it or anything like where yeah. so, a kid would want to keep it or it something. looked
0: like a pin you would get at like the olympics or i swear
2: <laughs> i have it's the pin You do? I'm pretty sure I do, and I never knew it was that. You know, like really, I I truly thought it was an Olympics pin, like you're saying,
0: (laughs) (laughs) because it it has the two ribbon dancers, and then the O's. It like feels like a lot of primary
2: colors, right? It's like black with like red, blue, and yellow. Yeah, I have it. I for sure have it.
0: (laughs) That was the pin they made to launch. community aspect of pin trading and there's one and a half million of them apparently that were given away um that was intentionally an unattractive pin (laughs) to get people to want to give it away it's a
2: great idea
0: (laughs) Um, how did how did you come across it out of curiosity
2: i probably just got it like off of i don't i don't know i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know if i got it off a cast lanyard but it's probably not what i would have traded for you know so right i don't really know i have no idea (laughs) it
0: makes me curious um i was curious though about like that pin of like they gave away one and a half million, so that's a lot. But at the same time, that's kind of what launched the community aspect of pin trading. So I guess it's valuable in that it's a big part of Disney pin history. So I was just curious how valuable it is, like money wise. Same with the mm. Mickey hot air balloon. I'm sure that's
2: like, that really, one really 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 yeah. hard.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea how much the hot air balloon went? Like you knew about that one though. The hot air balloon was no,
2: I don't know how much it goes for. Oh, I- but I've never did you seen know about the pin? Uh, I've seen it, but never in person.
0: Got it. Got it.
2: So it's pretty rare, I would say. It's elusive.
0: So the weird 2000 Olympic-looking pin not only launched the community aspect of pin trading, but really created the bonding between cast members and guests in a way that wasn't quite there before. Jim Green considered this the ultimate guest-cast interaction as the reason pin trading became a global phenomenon. (laughs) which leads into Melanie. I think you're going to tell us a little bit about pin trading's expansion.
1: Sorry. I was looking up Mickey air balloons on eBay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when I was looking up information, I mostly found that it did spread internationally, but I didn't find out little minute details about how it spread. So I'll just give a general overview of sort of the international pin trading scene. The pin trading events at Epcot were so successful that all of the parks at Walt Disney World wanted to get in on the action. And then the next year, pin trading expanded to Disneyland. So Jess and I talked about that video that she watched, and we will link that in our show notes. But Jeannie Lewis, who is a merchandiser with Disney Parks, came up with many of the ideas that ended up taking off with guests who were interested in pin trading. And she was specifically, at the time working at Disneyland and expanding their sort of pin trading scene. So a funny story, she created Jumbo Pins by accident. She gave the wrong spec sizes to the manufacturer oh and they ended up with a huge pin and it was too late <laughs> to reorder and redo the whole oh, um no. the whole setup. So they decided to just sell the pins as is and thus Jumbo Pins were born. So something that is a fun collectible item for pin traders. Actually, just started out as an accident, and she learned from that point on to be more specific in her sizes. Do you know what the pin was? Oh, no, I don't know what the pin was. I I could try to find that out, but I don't know what the pin was. But I thought that was funny that it started as a total accident. (laughs) And then she also created Chaser Pins, her and her team. They were having a Haunted Mansion 40th Anniversary Pin Event at Disneyland, and she was wondering how they could make the pins a little more special. So she was thinking, okay, 40th Anniversary Uh, the ruby is the official gemstone of 40th anniversaries. What can we do to incorporate the ruby into these pins? They didn't want to make a whole new design because I think it was kind of later in the process. So they plated 40 of each pin in uh, the mystery set in red metal plating because of the ruby gemstone, obviously. And then they didn't say anything about it. They just started selling the mystery pin sets at the event, and then Jeannie was approached by a guest, and he had one of the red pins, and he said, "Is this a mistake? What what what's the deal with this red-plated pin?" And she said, "Well, why do you think it's red?" And he was thinking about it, and she said, "Well, the 40th anniversary, and um, you know, ruby being the official gemstone of the 40th anniversary." And he said, "How many how many of these are there?" Well. There are 40, there are 40 of each pin plated in red. So the guest, of course, got super excited that he ended up Oof. with this exclusive pin. He ran over, told all of his friends, and then <laughs> guests started mobbing the tables. I can't
0: and... even imagine do, try, Disney trying to do, a, like, there's only 40 of these pins now. <laughs>
1: like, so madness. word of mouth obviously got out. They sold out of all
2: their mystery pins. So that was the start of the chaser pins.
0: What is a chaser pin?
2: It's basically like that, but they're all just silver plated as far as I know today, where it's mm-hmm. like... You know, there'll be like a set, usually it's cast member pins, which we can get into later also, but like, there there are pins that aren't sold and are just released on cast member lanyards or maybe in the mystery packs, oh, and then there'll be okay. like two secret ones that are the same design from the collection, or one of the designs from the collection, uh, with no uh, enamel filling. It's just the outline uh-huh. with metal, but yeah, they're usually silver, but it's really cool that they did it red for that.
1: Yeah. Got
2: it. Super cool.
0: I want to look up what all these are on eBay. To <laughs> <now>. know.
1: <laughs> and so pin trading became very popular, went from Walt Disney World to Disneyland, and then the international parks wanted to get in on it. In fact, pin trading became so popular at Tokyo Disney Resort that they had to shut it down. Oh, no. (laughs) The story is from Ed Storen, who was the general manager of Disney's Animal Kingdom merchandise. Pin traders arriving at the park every day would spread out with blankets all around them in the castle courtyard, around the pin trading stations. They'd have their books out. It It was kind of a madhouse, and it kind of... Blocked walkways at times. Oh no. So, pin trading was so popular, it was just everywhere. Uh, it got to the point where an Oriental Land Company stockholder spoke out at an annual meeting and said that it was starting to look like a flea market at the resort with all of the pin traders all over the park. And the story goes that even before the meeting was over, all of the pin trading tables and setups were completely removed, and they still have not returned to the park because it was too successful. Do they sell pins and just don't do They do, do sell pins. Okay. They do sell pins. They just don't do pin trading events. Got it. And I also read that apparently at some point a fight broke out (laughs) over some pins. I don't know if that's true or not. That was just a report that I found. So it was a little too popular at Tokyo and they had to shut it down. But this was in 2002 or 2003, depending on the source. So there aren't official pin trading events, but you can reportedly trade through the mail or attend unofficial events off Disney property. You can also still purchase pins, and you can even win pins as prizes while playing an in-store game at Abu's Bazaar. So Disneyland Paris also has pin trading and pin trading events, and I read that Pueblo's Trading Post is supposedly a great place to trade as they have a huge pin board, but it's only on weekends, and cast members with lanyards will also trade, of course. Hong Kong Disneyland offers pin trading as well. The park actually holds a pin trading carnival, which was scheduled to be this month. They canceled last year's and they canceled this year's due to COVID-19. However, guests can still purchase the event-exclusive pins. A carnival! Yeah, apparently when the carnival is on, you can actually win pins as prizes and, of course, trade and try to get, you know, the most sought-after event-exclusive pins Shanghai Disney Resort also offers pin trading and was scheduled to have a pin trading fun day in July of 2020, which was canceled, of course, but they still offered the exclusive pins for sale. And I don't know if they'll have it this year. I guess we'll see in July, but uh, they might have another pin trading fun day. Not sure about that. And then at Aulani Resort, five different locations reportedly have pin books, if you ask. The concierge desk the Disney Vacation Club Preview Center, the Lava Shack, which is near the pool, Auntie's Beach House, and the Kalepa – I'm not sure how you say that. Kalepa? Kalepa? I think gift Kalepa. Shop. Kalepa Gift Shop, with the DVC Preview Center offering the most variety in pin choices.
0: Sarah, I'm sure you know, but, like, I've gotten pins that I like, but I've never done, like, a collection or trading. So, like, I didn't realize, like, you could – It was like a known thing where maybe if you're at a resort or something, you could just go up to a cast member and be like, hey, do you have pins? Like, you know, I just assume they'll have like a one of those like felt boards or they'll wear a lanyard. I I feel like I'd be nervous to ask because I wouldn't know who does or who doesn't. Sarah, have you ever gone to a Disney location? You're just like, hey, do you have pins I can see?
2: Only if I had seen them have a board in the past. Got it. You know, because sometimes they have a board and they just like put it away if the line gets too busy, you know.
1: Yeah, I have asked cast members. There was a little while where I was doing pin trading. This was pre-child. It's harder to (laughs) to deal deal with uh, kids being patient while you trade pins. But um, yeah, I would see a cast member with a lanyard, and they would have a little Disney pin trading. What are those called? Pouches at the Mm -hmm. bottom, and that sort of gave me the signal. Oh, they're open to pin trading. So sometimes I would ask if they looked. Like they weren't too busy and were friendly and stuff. So you just mm-hmm. go up and say, oh, do you have any pins for trade? Sometimes some of them are special ones that they have that's part of their collection and they won't trade them. But otherwise, most of the pins on the lanyard are available for trade.
0: That is good to – I mean, presumably someday when I go back to a, I <laughs> I only went once. <laughs> but um, like I'm very new to all this. So I – yeah, you know, with how big it is now, I just was like – I want to do pins, but, like, it's overwhelming. I feel like I need to focus on, like, a character. So I was like, I'm going to collect, like, stitch pins. So I've been starting to yeah. collect stitch pins. And I'm like, ooh, Alani would probably have a lot. It's like a
2: very good character to pick, Jess. Yeah. I was because just like, I
1: need one character or else I'm getting, a lot. Like...
2: <laughs> 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 I'm there's like, a I'm going to get it.
1: overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. And I never was seeking out valuable pins because I just, I didn't want to. Do all the research to find out what right. was valuable and what wasn't. I just would look and see if I saw a pin that I thought was cute and I would trade it. So it was just yeah. for it was just for funsies for me. Funsies! Yeah. yeah. So anyway, on the Disney Cruise line, you can also trade pins. I saw a blog post from 2018 that you could pin trade at guest services and in the shops, especially Whitecaps, Sea Treasures, and Mickey's main sale. And Something to keep in mind. Castaway Key even has exclusive pins for sale on (gasps) the island.
0: I wish I did that when I went.
1: Well, I'm sure you'll go I'm learning too late. (laughs) And something cute I saw. There were also officer pin trading nights where the officers of the ship would trade pins with guests. I thought that was really cute. And, um, yeah, those are the international locations.
0: That's true. Now that you say that, because, like, when you're on a Disney cruise in the app... Uh, on the disney cruise app like when you're on the ship they'll like show your the itinerary for each day of like every single activity you could do and and they did do that they'd be like pin trading with like the cruise director or something like that i forgot about that
1: that was on there that seems like a fun way to kind of meet the crew and to have a little icebreaker yeah yeah so I think Sarah now is going to tell us more just about pin trading in general. <laughs> well, you are our, our guru here.
0: And we have lots of questions from ourselves and from other people who had questions for you.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. Oh my goodness, like where to start? And and maybe I'll answer some people's questions. In just talking, but I'm so <laughs> yeah. excited. Um, oh my goodness, where to begin? Where to begin? Okay, I mean, I don't. I truly don't know where to begin. There's so much to say. I mean, so, like, you really
0: wanted to talk about pin etiquette, determining fakes, and right.
2: Oh my god, I'm so passionate about determining fakes. <laughs> yes. Um, so okay, first of all, there's different kinds of pins. The pins that you see in the stores, um, at the parks or at the Disney store are. Usually, for the most part, what you would call open edition pins. There's no limited number. They might stop selling them at some point, but while they're out, they're just like as many as there are. There's endless amounts of pins. Of course, then you'll see in some of the stores like a special box, like a display box or little case like on the wall or on the register that has like the currently available limited edition pins. Limited edition, like Melanie was saying earlier, you know, they only release a thousand, five hundred, three thousand, and it'll say on the back, limited edition of x number. So you know exactly how many were made. Then there's also limited release, which is somewhere in the in between those two. <laughs> it's like uh, they were only released for a limited amount of time. So it's like technically, they are limited edition, but you have no idea how many. It's just like you only have a certain amount of time to get them, basically. Got it. And then there are, Cast member pins, also called hidden Mickey pins, and these were the ones that I was kind of talking about. Where they are not for sale. Sometimes they're for sale in blind bags, but they're they're released onto cast member lanyards, much like the 2000 pin, to incentivize trading. Because if you can't buy them, you're looking for them on cast lanyards, and they all have a tiny. Little silver Mickey on them, which is why they're sometimes called hidden Mickey pins. Yeah, you you have some, right? Like you're like I've seen those. those. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So usually, like they release a few sets a year that are exclusive to each park. You know, like Disneyland will have like six hidden Mickey collections, fall two thousand whatever. And so it becomes like a fun game to try to like collect all the hidden Mickey pins in the current collection, or just you know getting something that you can't buy is cool as well. But those are also the pins that are most commonly faked
1: <laughs>
2: Ooh, it's good a nice to know. Segue. <laughs> a nice segue um, yeah I don't know why they're the most faked but it's just do you, you think just... maybe
0: it's because like people don't because it, it, if it's one that has been for sale I feel like more people probably have it in hand but if it's one where it's like oh you can only get this if you're a cast member or something like that I feel like maybe people aren't as versed into what exactly it's supposed to look like yeah so maybe that's yeah. why I, I don't know
2: Yeah, I mean, whatever it is, there's just, like, a hit or miss, like, whether a pin and Mickey pin is going to be real. And a lot of people do not care about this, which is great. Like, if you, (laughs) like, you know, if you're just out there and you see a pin that you love and you don't care if it's, like, authentically made by Disney or not, like, I love that for you. Me, (laughs) Me, (laughs)
1: Oh, I just love- the famous Jess Snort. <laughs> I love that for you.
2: <laughs> for me personally, I like deeply care if it's fake for for no reason, really. You know, I mean a I lot would of the care times. Too. Yeah, I, I don't would care know too. Why. The quality is worse if it's fake. So that's one thing. Yeah. But a lot of people really can't tell. So when I talk about determining fakes, you know, like if you don't care, please don't, you know, waste your time worrying. But the the like surefire ways to tell if a pin is fake, um, or to feel the edges of the pin. If it's rough at all, it's probably fake. You know, a lot mm. of them will even have like weird bumps along mm-hmm. the sides. Yeah, um, <laughs> the, the, the the lines on the pin won't be as like defined. You know, there's these really common like princess faces in flowers that are hidden Mickey pins, and you'll just see like the most busted like princess faces like i'm like wow like why are like cinderella's eyes almost closed because the lines are so thick so like the lines should be like precise and like nice and clean the colors shouldn't be weird like you know sometimes you see like weird like cinderella's that's hair is almost like green it's so like neon yellow just like it shouldn't look like that like it should look good Another weird one is, like, if you look at the back, you know how a lot of pins are getting so, like, niche and specific. No, we want that. We
0: want the That's what we want. That's (laughs) what we're all about. We want the niche.
2: (laughs) If you look at the back of your pins, a lot of the times they'll have this Mickey waffle print Mm -hmm. on the back of the pins.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And a fake one doesn't – it's not does it have a waffle print or not. A lot of fakes have waffle print on the back, but the difference is – on an authentic Disney pin, the waffle print will go like straight off the edge of the pin, with uh-huh. like no line. And on fake pins, there will be like a weird border mm, to it. the pattern. I'm
1: looking at I'm looking at my one
2: of my I pins know, right <laughs> now. Yeah, that's a good one. See, see, they just like go straight off the edge. The, yeah, the Mickey's. Yeah, I brought my pins over here just for this <laughs> episode.
0: I'm, I'm, I know. I'm foraging for my pins. <laughs>
2: so yeah they'll be like a weird little border and then the other way that is good a lot of people say magnets but I I don't find that to be like a surefire way to determine fakes if they're magnetic or not or whatever but if you have two I I would always do this when I was working um because you'd have like a real one and a fake one and you'd be able to demo for people if you drop a fake it has like a much lighter sound that it makes against metal but this is only good if you have, like, if you can compare, because then a real one is, like, heavier usually and, like, makes a different sound.
0: Mm. <laughs> now, did you learn all this, like, <laughs> when you worked as a cast member? and Because you probably had to b- make sure one wasn't fake before you traded. Is that kind of how you learned these tips Uh
2: yeah and no one really taught me there was one guy who I just worked with who taught me a lot of this stuff but like yeah. it, it was not included in cast member training and a lot of people you know a lot of cast members aren't able to determine fakes which is or don't know anything about it which is why they will mm-hmm. have fakes on their lanyard which is why people end up trading for fakes which I just find to be a shame because it's like if you're trading an authentic pin and you end up receiving a fake that just is uh, I'm like That's a bummer. Yeah. But I mean for the for the people they might not even know so it doesn't matter. But we care. Yeah, I care. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I would I would never, like, if someone if someone traded me a fake, so, like, okay, the pin trading rules you were kind of going into about how, like, cast members wear lanyards and you can trade it, like, for any pin on their lanyard. I, I do know that some people will wear pins from their personal collection, but they really should be wearing it not on their lanyard, like, yeah. on their uniform. True, so yeah. t- typically, anything that's on the lanyard... Is up for grabs. And, and it, it doesn't matter if they have an, a secret limited edition pin on their lanyard and, and you're trading just a regular open edition pin, doesn't matter. Like they say yes to any trade, which is awesome. So because cast members sometimes don't even know about fakes or how to determine fakes, they'll accept someone trading a fake. But also, it's not a guest's fault if they don't know that a pin they have is fake. So, mm. like, cast members have to trade even if what you have is a fake. Don't take advantage of that.
0: Oh, interesting, because they don't want to say to someone like, oh, this is fake, because then that's a bad experience. They would never. Yeah, yeah, it would come across as very rude. And it's also
2: like when there's so many fakes on cast lanyards, it's truly not a guest's fault if they happen to trade for a fake and then try to trade it again, you know? Right. So, anyway, just be careful when you're trading on these pin boards or like castle lanyards because a lot of them are fake, and it's it's truly too many at this point for Disney to even <laughs> be able to like catch them all. Also, yeah. be careful Man. when you're purchasing on eBay. There are like legitimate, like beautiful pins you can buy on eBay, but anytime you see like twenty five pins for twenty dollars, they're all going to be fake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Types of pins, that's an overview. I mean, so yeah, when when you're trading with cast members, it's like a great experience. It's a great way to like get new and interesting pins and hidden Mickey pins and all of that. Be polite to cast members always. That's this situation. is no exception. You know, a lot of cast members have to deal with people just like coming up and grabbing their lanyard, which is like ah. not great. So, you know, wait until they're not busy. Ask if you can see their pins. They will be like more than happy to like hold it out and show it to you and talk to you about pins. Um, but yeah, it's a it's great because like I said, they will not say no to you unless you're trying to trade a not Disney pin, which doesn't include yeah. fakes. It's just like if you come in there with a Bugs Bunny pin, you might <laughs> be told no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I read that I don't know if they do this anymore, but cast members would wear vests covered in pins. Like at the beginning, they would send cast members out in vests. I was like, as a woman, I would not want to be wearing a vest with pins on it. Someone would like oh reach gosh. out and grab. I yeah. like forgot people about that.
0: I forgot about that, but like,
2: yeah, I'm yeah, glad that now I'm having just flashbacks to my
0: early pass holder days.
2: <laughs> a lot of people don't even realize that the pins that cast members are wearing aren't. Even their pins, unless it's the exception mm-hmm. that we've talked about before, but it's like they have no personal attachment to what they're wearing, like we would grab a lanyard before our shift and it just was already preset with pins and just go out and so like you don't have to feel bad taking a nice pin from them because it's not even their collection yeah um if you're like me <laughs> when I was a cast member, I would like get to work early and meticulously like stock my lanyard up with good pins
1: <laughs> oh, i love that that's smart
2: i'd get the pouch so that i could put even more good ones in the pouch so that if i got traded a fake i would take the fake off of my lanyard and put like a good one on i like i was like no fakes on my lanyard like i'm gonna be like a good cast member to trade with. i like, like- that <laughs> commitment.
1: I would
0: love to just see you, Sarah, like before opening in the wee hours of the morning. At the I would just, I would just love if, if you just were able to go in and be like, this is fake. This is not. This is fake. This is fake.
1: Sarah helping out the pins.
0: I, I would just love to see you come in there and help them clean house.
2: I would have loved <laughs> yes. that. No, I mean, just like at the Emporium, at least there was like a big bucket of pins and, you know, they would load up the lanyards themselves, but then I would just, like, go through the bucket and, like, find right. cool ones. It was, like, a dangerous bucket. None of the pins had backs on yeah, them. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to like, oh. um, They fall off. Yeah. <laughs> So I had such a. It was like my my favorite thing to do as a cast member. I like took it very seriously.
0: <laughs> because I, I mean, obviously you could take any pinback and put it on a different pin. So like just because something has the Mickey pinback doesn't necessarily mean it's real. But say if you don't have the Mickey pinback, what if it's just like a regular like pinback? Will a cast member take that, or do they have to take it if it's a Disney pin, even if it doesn't have the Mickey pinback?
2: Yeah. It doesn't have to have the Mickey pin back. I don't think we're getting into like the territory of like, how well would cast members even know if it's a Disney pin? That's a great question. But yeah, no, it doesn't. And Disney also sells those locking pin backs Mm -hmm. that you like crank close, which are great. But I wish that they sold, and I always told people to get these, the just the classic butterfly pin back because they're low key more secure than the Mickey ones. And so many people, especially with like heavy pins, like the Infamous grape soda pin—it's like really heavy. They just like Mm -hmm. fall off lanyards all the time, and it's like I'd be like, buy the locking pinbacks, and also when you get home, go on Amazon and get a bunch of butterfly clasps. Like one hundred
1: percent. I wanted to mention before we (laughs) ended the episode: if you have an open lanyard, don't use the regular Mickey soft pinbacks because they will fall off. I put some like I would decorate my bags with them, and then I started losing them, and I was like, okay, I need to. I can't do that if you have like. I love those backpacks that you know you can put the pin in and then it has like a clear cover really? over that's it smart. and that's yeah. really protective. So I love that they're soft, but don't use those little Mickey pins. Yeah, packs like if you I wanna use keep them, them
2: on like in my books. Like right, you know, yeah, like, you could totally do, do it there. But yeah. yeah, no, they're like it's just so not sad when someone buys a pin. Yeah.
1: yeah, not if you're wearing them open
2: like on a lanyard or on a bag or something. Yeah, but... it's they just slip out. Yeah. Um, and you can get, like, a ton of butterfly clasps for, like, nothing. So it's just yeah. an option. Um, <laughs> so aside from trading with cast members, you can trade with other guests. You know, they have these events that you guys were mentioning. I've never been to a pin trading event, honestly. why. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't, know why. <laughs> don't know why I've never been. But you can trade with other guests. And I'm not just saying, like, walk up to a random guest and be like, hey, you got pins. But... Um, <laughs>
0: You want to play video
2: games? <laughs> you want to buy a sundial. Um But you'll see, you've probably noticed this, at least at Disneyland, like sometimes there's people out with books. It used to happen outside of Westward Ho in Frontierland, mm-hmm. people on benches with books and stuff. But then they put, they more recently in recent years, put like a booth out there, like a yes. big wagon booth. Yeah. So um, I think when that happened, it started happening more in Tomorrowland outside of Little Green Men, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, where there's that churro cart under the people mover track. It's just like to the yeah. left mm-hmm. of it outside of Little Green Men. And they, they, I mean, I don't know, there might be new places that people trade. I feel like uh, I heard about that little like Seating area by Small World and Matterhorn that goes over the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing there but tables. Yeah. Um, I've heard of it happening there. I like honestly don't even remember about DCA, but yeah, people will go there to trade with each other. And it is very interesting, like dynamic because you have like <laughs> a lot of people who are honestly. Totally, totally nice and wonderful people, but kind of intimidating if you like don't know what is going on or what to do. Yeah. So it took me a while <laughs> when I was been trading to like understand like how things went and like what to do. And basically the best way to go about it is that if you're interested in trading, you can just go up to one of these people and say, Hey, like, may I look through your book? And they'll be like, sure. And like Toss you and the I would imagine
0: that could be intimidating too if you're new and you're just like, gosh, I don't want to like make an offer that sounds insulting. Like, I'm really yeah. nervous about that. But I would hope, you know, it seems like, you know, if you're trading at Disneyland, I would hope most people would be like.
2: But some cool people are nice. It. Some people are a little like uh, bristly. I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. But you know, like, you yeah. know, there were definitely times I would walk up and be like, "Can I trade?" Like. But usually it's not a thing where you say, this is the best way to go about it. It's usually not like you look through a book and you say, can I trade you this for this? What I would always do is you either look through someone's book and say, I'm interested in like this, this, and this. Can you look at my book and see if there's anything you would trade for that? That
0: makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a good way to go about yeah. it.
2: Yeah. And then or they'll just be like, polite. no. <laughs> or, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look through your book and say, there's nothing I would trade for that. And then it's like, great. Thanks for your time. Or they'll be like, I would do this for this. And then you, you know, contemplate that's your smart. decisions. But yeah, that that is the best way to go about it, I think, um, is to just do it that way. And also, if you just want to look at people's pins, that's fun too. You know, people have like beautiful collections and it's like really mm-hmm. fun to just look at people's pins. Um, if you want to put your books out, that's fun too. Just be prepared to do the opposite end of that interaction, you know, where you're just mm-hmm. like, eh. um, and the only thing that became difficult for me when I was trading that way is that guests who didn't know about pin trading would come up and think that you were just like cast members you could trade for anything which was difficult um or thought that people were selling their pins which you're absolutely not allowed to do you can't be like Mm -hmm. out at disneyland selling your pins to guests (laughs) yikes so what i liked to do that not everyone did but if you're interested in trying this in the future this is just like a good idea is that i would have like a separate tiny pin book that had like whatever pins in them that I didn't care about so if like mm-hmm. a kid came up and like wanted to trade I'd be like you can trade for literally anything in this book and oh, it was like nice. it that's was like idea. my cast lanyard you know yeah. I was like yeah. this is you know so that was helpful just because kids would you don't like want look to at your, a kid's yeah kids would look yeah. at your big beautiful book and be like I want this and I'd be like no you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so having like a nice option for people who are new I recommend just to be nice but yeah just an option.
0: Are the events officially planned by Disney or is it like more so in groups and Disney just like allows it in designated areas? There's
2: definitely ones that Disney does. I have How do pins people find out? That are like pin trading nights. Um I don't know. And that's that's, my, that's why i've never been to one i think
0: <laughs> yeah i was just like how do we if i'm sorry but if none of us know we're humongous <laughs> disney fans how do they know
1: i bet if they are <laughs> official events in the future you know post covid they will be on the disney parks blog i would guess yeah
0: so yeah maybe that
1: i know there are disney pin trading forums and groups and they would probably talk about you know what events are coming up and and stuff like that. So yeah, I have seen people trading, you know, pre COVID trading at Downtown Disney, like sitting outside. I always see in front Brown of Wonderground. Wonder
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So people used to be I've out there with their well. vinyls too when vinyls yes. were huge. Yeah. Exactly. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, those are like great ways to trade. I wanted, I guess, to go briefly into also like the different places that you can buy pins that might not be like the most obvious because, like, like Ooh, you said, yes. like all the parks have pins and their own limited edition pins. The Disney Soda Fountain Store in Hollywood next to the El Capitan Theater has their own special pins. They have like their own special backstamp. stamp. It's not Mickey. It's like an ice cream. On the back.
1: Oh, cool! Um, I didn't and, realize they were exclusive. That's awesome. Yeah,
2: so they have their own like open edition that you can get all the time. They maybe have like more new limited editions than like anywhere else because they mm-hmm. have what they call the Pin Trader Delights, which are the pins that come with a Sunday, mm-hmm. which are Disney characters eating an ice cream. It's really funny because it's like something that was just like a cute thing that yeah. got out of control because Uh-oh. it used to just be like. <laughs> buy a sunday and get a pin but now it's really like get a pin get a free sunday like honestly because people <laughs> just it. want people just want the pins and they're limited edition 300 which is pretty low oh. yeah. and the way that the pin trader delights work or ptds is that as soon as one is gone a new one comes out oh, but I, but i think i think they do it in sets now they used to just like rotate out a character but now they'll have like these 3 ptds are available and mm. then as soon as they're all gone, they immediately release new PTDs. And so it became a thing on online forums to be like, come on, guys, like we got to finish up these last like motos, <laughs> so that we could like everyone. These like, motos. <laughs> you know, like there'd be like one PTD left of the series. So they'd be like, we got to just like buy all the rest of these ones so that we get the new set. So, it's pretty crazy. Um, but then they also, like, every time there's a new movie released, they have, like, a special collection of limited edition pins for that movie, um, including, like, the Soda Fountain Store is famous for their marquee pins. It'll be, like, the L Cap marquee. Those get, like, very valuable because you'll oh, have, cool. like, movies that came out years ago and then you have the marquee pin from L Cap and it's, like, very yeah. fancy. <laughs> but people would, like, camp out. People camp out at the Soda Fountain Store. What? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's crazy because I used to work at the Jim Henson company, which is pretty close by. And so I was so excited as a pin trader while I was working there. I was like, I can just run over when the PTDs flip. But then every time I'd get there, there's like a line of people who like saw that they were already like almost at a Quasimodo's and like lining up for the (laughs) flip. Like, so it's like a very intense place.
0: I knew that they had like. You know, I've been to the LCAP so many times. Like, I knew that they had their own pins that were the marquees and the ice cream. I didn't realize there was this like whole thing of like mm-hmm. they're going to flip over and everyone's like keeping watch. That's yeah. so cool.
2: So, if you go to the Sotan Fountain store, you can always get a limited edition pin because there will always be a PTD available. Mm-hmm. It might be the last one of a series, but it's always guaranteed there'll be a cool pin for you to get there. But the collections, very hard because I know people camp out for those. Maybe not as much these days with COVID, yeah. but probably still. Yeah. So that's a cool place in LA to get special pins. International pins are awesome. But like when I went to Tokyo, honestly, there's there weren't very many limited edition pins. They're just rare because mm-hmm. they're like from International Park. Mm-hmm. The studios have like their own pins. Usually the uh, Walt Disney Family Museum has their own pins usually not limited just like i didn't
0: realize that i mean i never really looked at them but like are the walt disney family museum pins considered like an official disney pin the only reason i ask is everyone might not know so just providing context but you know the walt disney family museum isn't run by the disney company so i was just curious like are those considered official disney pins
2: i think they are i'm like looking on pinpicks.com which we'll talk about also
0: do you have one with you right now, Melanie? Is that what I, yeah, at?
2: I do. Actually, I have one, and I'm looking
1: at the back of it. It doesn't have the Mickey. Sorry, it's shiny, does it have the, Mickey the logo silhouette. though?
2: There's What's usually the logo? a logo that it's like the little like kind of like circle with ribbons. It's it, like it Disney doesn't have the logo.
1: It does mm. say it says copy or it says the Walt Disney Family Museum copyright Disney. But it doesn't have, um, doesn't have any logos or anything on it. So I don't know if it's official.
0: But even if it's not official, you know, still good information because I'm sure, you yeah. know, people who don't necessarily care if it's Disney but just want to know where to get cool Disney-themed pins.
2: Yeah, I think they gotta be, go. though, because it's like, how are, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know if they're, who knows. But, I mean, they have Disney characters on them and all that. So there's that. And then Pixar has their own pins, which is maybe arguably the hardest place to like get a pin because you can't go mm-hmm. to Pixar without an invitation to be on the campus whereas mm-hmm. like you know the Walt Disney Family Museum you can go to and the studios is arguably easier to get into than Pixar so Pixar yeah. pins are very sought after usually for I anywhere.
1: have a um an animation studios pin love that pin yeah again it doesn't have the mickeys on the back it mm-hmm. does say copyright Disney made in China but it doesn't have the same as the parks same yeah. um, designation as the Parks Pins.
2: It doesn't necessarily need to have the waffle print to be mm-hmm. officially Disney, but yeah. um, it's interesting. I don't think that is one of them, but a lot of the time it won't have certain things on the back if it predates 1999 when oh, yeah. pin trading became a thing, official mm-hmm. like TM, pin trading, you know, like yeah. official. Pinpicks.com, as I was mentioning, is a great website. Pinpicks? Pinpicks.com. If you didn't know any information about a pin, you can pretty easily, like if I'm trying to find it, like the one that Melanie just showed, uh, Walt Disney Animation Building, let's see if it comes up. Like you can just find information about a pin because, you know, by looking at it, you can't really tell all the details. Oh
0: my gosh. Why'd you tell Mm -hmm. me about this website? I'm going to go (laughs) down such a big rabbit hole today. (laughs) I have so much to do.
2: It's crazy. I don't even see that one on here so it sometimes takes a little bit of like searching but it's like you know i see one that i have and if i didn't know about it like it tells you the original price like what year it was released is Mm -hmm. it like retired or like they're not selling it anymore um and some kind of like more details about it so it's just like a great place to look to see more information about a pin and and all that stuff and also like i went through the the effort of like going through and like you can create an account and add all the pins you have so that people can reach out if they want to trade but I got (laughs) very quickly like gave up because it was like too hard to maintain when you were trading in person to go Mm -hmm. back and be like oh I don't have this one anymore but you you can do that here and it's like it's interesting because if you look up a pin it'll say uh 11 people are trading this pin so if you were looking for it you could reach out to someone who's have who has it for trade and yeah. there's 18 people wanting this pin. So it's like if you have it and you're interested in uh, trading it or getting rid of it or whatever, you can kind of get a ballpark idea of how desired it is and how like mm-hmm. rare or whatever. So Pin Picks is a really cool website. Awesome. <laughs> website. Oh, Imagineering. That's the last place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah duh. Um, <laughs> the, the store Mickey's of Glendale on the Imagineering campus is another place that has exclusive pins to that location they also have their own back stamp it's the sorcerer mickey hat and a mm-hmm. lot of their pins are they're almost always limited edition 300 sometimes it varies but they are famous for having a lot of like very big not always jumbo but like just generally big beautiful pins they're usually pretty expensive working at wd i was like a nightmare because i like spent all my money on pins um because <laughs> nah. they're like right there <laughs> right right.
0: but uh, yeah. they have
2: like very unique and like beautiful pins so that's another place. Awesome.
0: And I i cool. think, um, you know, I'm sure this is pretty obvious, but just letting, you know, people know in case you're like, how do I get one of those? I, I mean, aside from training it, but like WDI, Disney Studios, Pixar, you know, places where you kind of have to know someone who works there or be invited by a cast member onto the campus. hmm. I just like letting people know that because a lot of people I've realized when I've gone to Walt Disney Studios, like a lot of people are like, oh, how can I go to that store? Because if you're not local, how would you know? Because like, you know, places like WB and Universal, you could buy a ticket to go tour. So a lot of people don't know. So just letting people
2: know. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So Sarah, someone wants to know, what is your greatest pin trade? Like, do you have a trade where you were like, this was like, oh my gosh, this was amazing that I got this?
2: My favorite story that's similar, this is one of my favorite pins, but I don't know if it's like my favorite pin of all time, but there was a pin that came out when I was working at Disneyland, and it was a Christmas pin with Wally and Eve, and they're just like holding a really big Christmas ornament, like light bulb. Mm -hmm. It's a light bulb. So it's just the two of them like around a light bulb, and I personally don't like pins that have a year on them, unless it's like for some significant reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like things that say, you know, like if it said like Christmas 2011, I would have been like, ugh, you know? Um, <laughs> so what I loved about this is it had like no words, no year or anything, but it was like a Christmas pin. And I traded 16 hidden Mickey pins for that pin.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, goodness.
2: <laughs> it was also a soda fountain pin. So it was LA 300, I think. And a guy had it in his book at, you know, Westward Ho or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I want that pin. And he was like, if you can go get like 16 pins from this collection, this current hidden Mickey collection, it can be like duplicates. I'm sure he was like selling them on eBay, you know? Mm -hmm. So he was like, if you go out and bring back like 16 hidden Mickey pins, I'll trade it for you. And I like spent all day doing that and like (laughs) came came back to him and like, yeah, and he traded it for all those. So that was pretty crazy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know what, when you, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with annual passes, but when you're an annual pass holder and you're at the parks all the time, it is fun to have an activity because you're not necessarily doing the things that the first time tourists are doing, or if they only come once a year, once every few years, you want to do something else. You're at Disney just kind of for the atmosphere and for the fun. And so having a scavenger hunt or looking for hidden Mickeys or pin trading, that's a really fun activity to do in a place that you know so well and you're not necessarily waiting an hour to get on a ride you're just kind of hanging out and doing your thing. I love pin trading for that totally. aspect of it. Yeah.
2: And a great, sorry, this is like such a random tip and I don't really know if it's true anymore but like a while ago the best thing to do is like 30 minutes before the parade starts just like walk up and down main street cuz there's like so many like red vest like guest control oh, cast members out and yes. they like all have lanyards on. Oh, that's right. Such a good like you're just like walking up and down, like checking out all the wings Anyway, that's a good tip. Yeah.
0: Now another thing that people want to know, kind of related to this, do you have a pin that like you thought about trading for someone or you thought about getting that you let get away that you wish you didn't?
2: Yeah. God, what was it? What was this series called? There was a series of pins. I totally forget what the series is called, but it's a series, and they're, like, very big and round, and they came from the Soda Fountain store. Oh, I found one. Beloved Tales. Beloved Tales. Mm They're called. Soda Fountain uh, series, and I had the Finding Nemo one. I also had the Oliver and Company one. No, I think I just Mm. had the Oliver and Company one, because I'm looking at the Nemo one.
0: I'm looking at it, so it just looks like it's, like, they're round pins, and they're just, like, scenes- from movies
2: yeah but they're like so nice and big and beautiful um i think it was actually the oliver and company beloved tales that these I had.
0: pins like have a lot of details yeah. in one pin
2: so i traded my oliver and company one and i don't mm-hmm. even remember what i traded it for but i i obviously have not gotten over it
0: oh
1: <laughs> <laughs> you haven't gotten so over sad.
0: it th- that you traded it
2: yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't think I should have traded it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're very rare, and I don't really see anybody with them anymore.
1: Oh, no. And yeah, it's like, hard in the moment,
0: I think. I, I've you're... done that before where I've sold something where I'm like, oh, I don't really care about this anymore. And then I'm like, God, why did I sell, like, this thing, this Disney <laughs> yeah. thing? Um. Uh, uh, another question we had that someone wanted us to ask you, is there any great white whale pin in the trading community? Like, one that no one can ever find that's, like...
2: Highly sought I, have no after. Idea. I have no idea if there's like one that everyone would agree on. I was saying that Stitch is such a good character for you to collect because like there's so many Stitch pins. There's characters like Stitch, Jessica Rabbit, and usually like Some Nightmare Before Christmas stuff that it's just like so many people collect those things that there's like a lot of like weird pins that come out. Like there's a whole <laughs> yeah. um WDI set, I believe, of Jessica Rabbit wearing like other characters' outfits.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: you know, like yeah. weird. I love
0: I love weird stuff like that. That's great. So,
2: those characters, there's like a lot and tink mm-hmm. oh, A sure. lot of like pins that people would love of those characters, but I don't know if there's like a white whale. For me, there's a collection that I still haven't completed. It's the millennium set. Mm. Like there's like how many are, there? I have no idea. I don't even remember. I used to know how many there were, and I was going to say it's like 50-something, but I think it's like 100 Are you talking
0: about the one that we were talking about, where he was selling the pins to make that one puzzle? Or is what you're talking about something new? You know,
2: I wonder if they are the same. Um, they all say photo ball on the back. There's like one for each movie, but then there's also one for characters. They don't connect, so I don't know. Oh, if okay. It's... Yeah,
0: I don't, I, I'm looking at it on Google Images. I don't think this is the same, because that one was supposed to... Yeah, the one uh, we were talking about that was, like, the set they made to get the funding for Pin Central was, like, a a representative of the Epcot World Showcase pavilions. And they all – you put them all together and they, like, made the spaceship Earth with the 2,000 above it.
2: Yeah. No, there's 101 countdown to the Millennium series. Um, I think they're, like, so cute. Uh, They're, like, totally normal-sized and, like – I guess it is interesting that they're so old because, like, they did release in 1999, um, which is, like, the beginning of pin trading. But I don't have them all. um, And there are ones in that collection that I know are going to be, like, so difficult for me to get. And, you know, I I gave up trading for them and, like, started buying them from, like, flea markets or, like, at D23. People will Mm -hmm. be selling their pins and stuff. So I bought a lot of them, but I still, like, don't have them. So for me, that collection is, like...
1: Oh, I'm looking at them now. They're really cute. <laughs> now,
0: is there a pin that doesn't exist that you wish Disney would make? Or maybe a character or movie you Ooh. wish Disney would make more of?
2: Oh, I yeah. I mean, I love Bongo the bear from Fun and Fancy Free. Mm-hmm. And I have a few pins with Bongo on them. Um, But I would love more. There's like so few. And so whenever I see them, I'm like, I got to have that Bongo pin.
1: And that is a true super fan wish because I didn't even know his name. <laughs>
2: I love him. I love him so much. His um, I got one from the I think the Family Museum. Like they're just so few. Like I'm looking on mm-hmm. Pin Pics right now and there's there's actually more than I thought, but I think just maybe forty two total, it says. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. So you know. But it's funny yeah. because the the times I've traded for bongo pins, the people who, like, are trading them, like, don't even care about him at all. So I'm like, ah, you know.
0: I mean, that's that's a good tactic, though, to pick yeah. a character yeah. so niche that maybe he doesn't have, like, an intense <laughs> fandom around it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, cares exactly. <laughs> nobody cares. Disney, we ah. need more bongo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Melanie, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask?
1: I always end up asking about favorites for everything. Do you have a pin or two or three that are your favorite pins in your collection like you would never trade
2: well it's funny because so I have a whole binder that's like the pins that mean the most to me Mm -hmm. um and it's funny because I would still bring it with me to trade and a lot of pin traders will say like oh you should have like pins that you don't even bring out if you're not willing to trade them but the truth is like there's always maybe a trade that you would make you know even if you Mm -hmm. think you would never trade something right yeah you never know yeah yeah So I do have a binder that's full of my favorites. There's one Disney store up pin that's just like very simple. And it's just the house with the balloons that I'm obsessed with. There's Mm -hmm. the pin that you receive after. Jess, do you have this pin? You must. There's a pin that you get after you finish your probation period as a Disney cast member. And it's Walt and Mickey and it's a tiny square.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't have it anymore.
2: It's like my favorite (laughs) (laughs) pin. For sentimental reasons only. I mean, but also,
0: like, there's so many, like, pins I had... I was really into trading pins when it first came about at Disneyland because it was new. But then Mm -hmm. it was just like one of those things that I didn't keep up with once it was starting to get too big. And I like Mm -hmm. think back to some of the pins I got rid of that are probably pretty rare. But at the time, I just was like, this doesn't have like sentimental value to me. Yeah. So I didn't think much of it, but I definitely gave away some good pins.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So that's one of mine. And then there's just a lot that like signify important like moments that I got to experience like when DCA reopened with a Buena Vista Street and all that they released a bunch of like you know California Adventure reopening pins and Mm -hmm. I was like a cast member at the time so like those mean a lot to me because it's just like signifies the time that I was there and like what happened while I was there yeah so that's pretty much it. And then there are some of those pins that I still have. I was saying that when I was a kid, I would just like buy pins, but like didn't really care about collecting or anything. And I have some mm-hmm. of those, I think from Walt's 100th birthday celebration. Oh, cool. So there's like Walt with the tiki room and like, it's like photos of Walt within some like enamel design also. And yeah. I love the ones that I kept from that. So. That's great.
1: Yeah, there are some pins that I have that aren't, you know, aesthetically or in terms of rarity aren't that special, but they are tied to an event that I did, or they're, they're tied to like a special day that I had with my family. And those are the most special to me, even though they're not the most rare, you know, it's, right. it's yeah, fun sure. to have that. Yeah, it's yeah. fun to have just a little souvenir of just a random happy day. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. And I love that you chose this topic, because we primarily do things like history about you know, a park attraction or person in Disney history or a movie or something. But once in a while, you know, we'll do a topic that's a little bit more something like this, where you don't necessarily associate with Disney history. So it's always Mm -hmm. fun to dive into those topics, because like, you're like, oh, I never really thought about that. But
1: and it doesn't seem that long ago, but it started 20 years ago. So (laughs) it does count. (laughs) Yeah. It
0: does. Well,
1: is there any uh, socials
0: or career projects or things like that that you want to share with our listeners? Any social handles
2: and such? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you guys because I learned a lot about pin trading I didn't (laughs) know today. Oh, cool.
0: Ditto. Um, Thank you.
2: So, yeah, you can – I mean, no special projects, but, you know, I'm always doing things online. And I'm Sarah Sterling on Instagram and YouTube and Sarah Sterling underscore on Twitter and TikTok. So come find me
0: hmm Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely keep up with Sarah. She always has a lot of fun projects going on, thank occasional you. trivia,
1: occasional mm-hmm. podcasts, and just a bunch of fun things like that. Oh my gosh. Cool. Sarah's trivia is so good and so <laughs> difficult.
0: Yes, <thank> you. <laughs> in a good way. In a good yeah, way. It is I mean, like I feel like people who like this podcast would like her trivia because For yeah. sure. For sure. We have the niche. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> you can <laughs> You can find me on Instagram at The Healthy Mouse and on Twitter, Healthy underscore Mouse.
1: And I am Keep Quirky on Instagram and Keep Quirky OC on Twitter. And you can find Cartoons to Castles at Cartoons to Castles on Instagram and Cartoons Castles on Twitter. You can also check out other places to listen if you want to recommend the podcast to someone else at cartoons to com And we have a Patreon page where we do bonus episodes every month, plus a lot of other benefits. It's starting at $3 a month, so you can check that out at patreon.com cartoons to castles.
0: Bye! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening.
0: Till next time, keep, keep dreaming! dreaming.